Welcome to the PCC Podcast, your place for CNS soundbites. Hi, I'm John Shelton, publisher of the Primary Care Companion for CNS Disorders. In the next 30 minutes, I'll bring you up to date on the important peer-reviewed research and reviews from our latest issue. Let's get started. Clinicians sometimes approach the treatment of major depressive disorder too cautiously, choosing management strategies based on habit and conducting lengthy antidepressant trials when treating with a sense of urgency is warranted. This approach may contribute to low remission rates, prolonged impairment, and failure to reach full functional recovery. This review highlights the evidence for a more rapid, individualized treatment approach to improve outcomes for individual patients. Delayed depression treatment, as measured by a longer duration of depressive episode or duration of untreated illness, is associated with poor clinical outcomes. Findings suggest that patients who receive more treatment steps and longer trials before a medication switch are less likely to achieve functional recovery compared with patients who are treated to remission as rapidly as possible. For clinicians, this means that closely monitoring the patient's response to treatment and making adjustments quickly will provide the best opportunity for full functional recovery. So, how early can medication adjustments be made? Multiple analyses suggest that patients who have not begun to respond as early as two weeks after an antidepressant is initiated are very unlikely to go on to achieve remission. Thus, early optimized treatment of depression with close monitoring and prompt adjustments to treatment may be critical to bringing the patient to full functional recovery. Pfizer provided funding for medical writing support. The DSM-5 recognizes binge eating disorder as a distinct eating disorder. However, limited information is available regarding the binge eating characteristics of individuals who meet DSM-5 diagnostic criteria for binge eating disorder. This report describes the characteristics of binge eating in a representative sample of adults from the National Health and Wellness Survey who completed an internet survey that included questions designed to assess binge eating behavior in relation to DSM-5 diagnostic criteria for binge eating disorder. Among most survey respondents who met DSM-5 criteria for binge eating disorder, binge eating had occurred at least two to three times per week over the past seven to 12 months and was associated with high levels of distress. A subset of survey respondents who met DSM-5 diagnostic criteria agreed to provide detailed information on their binge eating. More than half of these respondents indicated that their binge eating episodes were more than 30 minutes in duration and that urges to binge eat generally occurred in the evening. The most bothersome symptom of binge eating in these respondents was feeling disgusted, depressed, or guilty after an episode of binge eating. When considered together, these findings highlight the disease burden in individuals who meet diagnostic criteria for binge eating disorder and have potential implications for diagnosing and treating the disorder in the clinical setting. This research was funded by Shire Development LLC and conducted by Kantar Health with additional analyses provided by Lexidine LLC. Mounting evidence shows insomnia and sleep-disordered breathing may be joined at the throat 
for a larger proportion of patients than previously recognized. Today, treatment with positive airway pressure or PAP therapy for insomnia patients with sleep-disordered breathing shows marked improvements in middle-of-the-night awakenings, but scant research has investigated PAP in sleep-onset insomniacs, a group likely to seek medication solutions. Here, the authors examined a novel therapeutic approach relying on advanced PAP devices known as autobilevel or adaptive servoventilation that deliver dual levels of pressurized air, which are higher on inspiration and lower on expiration. The delivery of air is more comfortable and diminishes or eliminates the discomfort patients complain about when breathing out against air going in. Recently, the authors demonstrated advanced PAP is associated with higher adherence to treatment, so they conducted a retrospective study on 74 sleep-onset insomniacs to assess their responses to advanced PAP. At follow-up, patients were divided into two groups, those using the advanced PAP devices regularly or greater than 20 hours per week, and those using advanced PAP less consistently. At one-year follow-up, the regular PAP users reported large improvements in both global insomnia and sleep-onset insomnia, compared to irregular users who showed smaller improvements. Because of the limitations of the non-randomized retrospective design, these findings can only be reported as associations, but the observations do point to the potential value of conducting prospective studies on the role of advanced PAP therapy in the treatment of sleep-onset insomnia and global insomnia. Sleep disturbance in major depressive disorder predicts poor clinical outcomes and is an independent risk factor for suicide. Brix-Piprazole is a serotonin dopamine activity modulator. The authors of this study evaluated the effects of adjunctive treatment with Brix-Piprazole on sleep disturbances in patients with major depressive disorder and inadequate response to antidepressant treatment. Patients with inadequate response to antidepressant treatment and sleep disturbances continued treatment with their current antidepressant for two weeks. Patients still having inadequate response and sleep efficiency less than 85% measured by baseline polysomnography received eight-week open-label treatment with their current antidepressant treatment and adjunctive Brexpiprazole at a target dose of 3 mg per day. Changes from baseline to week 8 were analyzed. In patients with inadequate response to antidepressants therapy and sleep disturbances treated with adjunctive brexpiprazole, physiologic measures of sleep and daytime alertness were improved. Furthermore, there was a global improvement of daily alertness and functioning. Adjunctive treatment with brexpiprazole was safe and well-tolerated. This work was supported by H. Lundbeck, A.S. and Otsuka Pharmaceutical Development and Commercialization, Inc. When your patient's depressive episodes have not fully remitted with antidepressant therapy, do you consider augmenting with bright light therapy? Bright light therapy has demonstrated efficacy and is an accepted treatment for seasonal depression. It has been suggested that bright light therapy may have efficacy in non-seasonal depression as well, and there is evidence that it may improve responsiveness to antidepressant pharmacotherapy. 
This systematic review and meta-analysis was conducted to assess the current state of evidence favoring use of bright light therapy as an augmentation to antidepressant pharmacotherapy in the treatment of depressive disorders with no seasonal pattern. Learn what the authors found in this journal CME activity. Healthcare providers do not routinely associate eating disorders with disrupted circadian rhythms, but emerging evidence suggests that individuals with eating disorders have non-normative circadian patterns across multiple behavioral and physiological domains. Night eating syndrome, classified as an other specified feeding or eating disorder in the DSM-5, for example, is characterized by circadian delays in food intake and mood that worsens in the evening. Neuroendocrine hormones associated with eating behavior among individuals with night eating syndrome show circadian advances and delays that parallel eating behavior in this population. Similarly, studies have shown that binge eating behavior is preceded by negative affect and that binge eating is more severe on days in which affect worsens throughout the day. Bright light therapy, an intervention for disorders associated with circadian rhythm disruption such as seasonal affective disorder, might be an effective standalone or adjunctive intervention for eating disorders. The authors of this article conducted a review of 14 published studies of bright light therapy for eating disorders and aimed to summarize the outcomes, particularly with regard to the effect of bright light therapy on eating behavior, mood, and sleep. Results suggest that bright light therapy can be an effective intervention for eating disorders with significant improvements on eating behavior and mood in the short term. The authors caution that the empirical literature on bright light therapy for eating disorders is in its infancy, and much work is needed to improve the quality of the research, control for placebo effects, and understand the mechanisms of action of bright light therapy for eating disorders. Have you ever wondered whether the presence of myoclonus helped to create or narrow your differential diagnosis? Have you ever been uncertain about whether or how to treat focal or diffuse myoclonus? If you have, then the case vignette and discussion presented in this issue's Rounds in the General Hospital article should prove useful. Myoclonus often accompanies changes in mental status that may be useful in guiding the differential diagnosis and workup. The authors point out that clinical information such as the time course, accompanying cognitive deficits, medical history, and current medications provides a useful framework for narrowing the differential diagnosis. Anxiety disorders are familiar to psychiatrists and are especially prevalent in older individuals with chronic illness. In this issue's Psychotherapy Casebook article, Dr. Schuyler maintains that much of the anxiety that people experience is self-generated. He addresses the issues related to anxiety that a physician on a palliative care team may encounter when working with older patients. Chronic illness alone represents something patients can often do little to control. However, they can learn ways to manage how they respond to anxious feelings. Go to psychiatrist.com to learn more about this important topic. Please visit us online at primarycarecompanion.com to find numerous case reports on a variety of topics. We update our website weekly with new postings, so there is always something new to explore. 
Also, we are excited to offer a digital flip page edition of this issue of the Primary Care Companion for CNS Disorders. This turn page format will give you the feel of holding a print journal in your hands while allowing you to seamlessly navigate from article to article. We hope you will take a look at our digital journal as we think you will like it. Thanks for joining me for this summary of offerings in our current issue of the Primary Care Companion for CNS Disorders. This is John Shelton signing off. I hope you will join me for the next installment of the PCC podcast, your place for CNS Soundbites.